This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Justin Williams. And man, today, today I'm alone. Usually I have friends with me, but today I'm, I'm very, very much a loner when it comes to this podcasting stuff. Uh, but you know, that's only in the sense of actually having a co-host with me because we all know I don't roll alone in life. I have a really awesome and talented friend with me. And this guy, he also studied martial arts like I did. He still studies it. He's really good at the stuff. He can kick my ass six ways to Sunday. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the dude who runs McDojo. And if you follow him on Instagram, it's McDojo Life. So I'm going to let him introduce himself and tell you a little about it. Buddy, how you doing? Living the dream, man. Yeah, my name's Rob. I run McDojo Life. I call out fakes, frauds, phonies, con men, and pedophiles in the martial arts industry. God, we love this. How'd you get started with that? Well, I've been training for about 24 years and somewhere along the line around, I don't know, <laughs> around nine years ago, I was coaching a jiu-jitsu program. And then while I was there, one of the students, uh, it was like his second day or something like that. And we all had just got done with a noon class. And then as soon as the noon class was over, um, we got to shoot, shooting the shit, chit chat and all that good stuff. Yeah. And uh, everybody had pretty much left. Well, during that conversation, uh, we got on the subject of McDojo's and he pulled me to the side after everyone left. And he said, why doesn't anybody do anything about that? Um, and I had to kind of explain to him what McDojo's were because it was only a second class and all that. That kind of stuck with me. And then the next day I started McDojo Life. There you go. And how many people have you kind of busted doing this? Uh thousands <laughs> i mean i've been doing it i mean, I've posted at least once a day every day for the last nine years and i've never run out of material oh my god how do you find these sources it's not that difficult it's kind of like anything else once you study and know the material yeah. um, it's very easy to find the martial arts instructors their lineages their styles parts of the world are a little more prevalent than others the list goes on. It actually never really ends. It's more like trying to understand cultures and understand their pitfalls in their cultures to try to weed out some of the uh, the people who take advantage of them. Right. Okay. So how do you determine between what is a Mick Dojo versus an actual dojo? Well, we have five rules. So the rules of the page are very specific. I don't just like make fun of someone who's just like working out by themselves, hitting a bag, which I get sent all the time. Uh, the rules are pretty clear cut. One, pedophiles. There is no real regulating body to the martial arts industry. Right. And because of that, 
there's really no checks and balances. So absolutely anybody can open a martial arts studio. You would imagine that pedophiles aren't allowed to be around children. You would hope that. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Oh. Um, there are plenty of people around the world who took plea deals, who are not put on sex offender registries, who have done extremely heinous acts with children. And a lot of them, for some reason go to the martial arts industry. And I think that it has a lot to do with the fact that there's no real regulating body to it. Mm. So literally anyone can open up a studio. Anyone. It's, it doesn't take a genius to say I'm the 37th degree grandmaster of my own style and then open up a school tomorrow. And then as long as they're charismatic enough, do it. Like one particular case, the guy's name is David Arnbeck. He runs a thing called Warrior's Cove MMA, which they have three locations. And he molested a 15-year-old girl in his home. And he took a plea deal so that way he didn't have to be on a sex offender registry. But he admitted guilt. <laughs> like, he admitted to doing it. And he's still around children. He still runs a martial arts school today. So that's the first rule is pedophiles. Rule number two is lying about your belt rank or your fight record. Usually that's the first interaction you have with your instructor. Right. So if they're going to lie to you right off the bat, chances are good they'll probably lie to you about absolutely anything else. Oh um, especially with something so simple like their fight record or their belt rank. Rule number three is shady business practices and cult-like behavior. Oh my. Those are pretty clean cut. You shouldn't put people into financial destitute or you should be upfront about your prices. You shouldn't try to rip or steal people's money. Pretty simple. The cult-like behavior is in every martial art and a way. Even Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is not exempt from this. There's a term in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu called a crianche, which basically means traitor, which is usually used by a cult leader to stop you from being able to go train at other facilities outside of their facility. Well, that's what cults do. Cults isolate you from outside perspective and ideas and thoughts, so that way they can control the narrative around your way of thinking. So when you look at like something like a crianche, you know, traitor, that's just a way of controlling a student from being able to live their life the way they want outside the facility. So that's number three, shady business practices and cult-like behavior. Number four, unsafe training practices, yep. which is something that we see quite often, especially overseas, more in the Middle East. There, Some moron decided that just hitting students in the head was going to make them stronger somehow, okay. <laughs> which is not a scientific fact at all. <laughs> so like you'll see students line up while the instructor just kicks and punches them in the head for like ego, basically. And you'll, you can spot these morons too in the comment sections of anything I post where they'll be like, Oh, this makes you tough. You can tell those people have never fought a day in their life no. or been to a legitimate gym because that's not how that works. <laughs> and then the final one is uh, no touch knockouts and mislabeling technique. So obviously you can't knock people out with your mind, right. but around the world, there are a lot of cultures that believe, whether it be Fa Jing, Qi, Qi, uh, the Holy Spirit, they believe that you can have some type of mystical ability to project energy out without touching people and knock them out. It's actually a worldwide phenomenon. It's crazy as shit, but people believe it. Yep. But the mislabeling technique thing is a little more common, where you'll see somebody go to like a cardio kickboxing class. Mm -hmm. The instructor will say this is self-defense when it's clearly not giving the uh, the student a false sense of security and uh, putting them in danger because sometimes nothing is better than something. <laughs> sometimes it's better not to think you're a badass than to think you're a badass. <laughs> oh, 100%. And so those are the basic five rules of what we consider a McDojo. And uh, I try not to stray away from them. So do you come up with this plan yourself or do you have like somebody with you kind of helping you set those rules? I wish there was someone else. No, it's just just 
Just me. Just lonely old Ron. Eh? <laughs> That's it. Gotta love that. Yeah, I studied uh, martial arts for 14 years in Mississauga. I'm from Mississauga, Ontario. And uh, it's a place called Academy of Martial Arts. And they were so legitimate that it was almost annoying, if that makes sense. Mm. Like everything was by the book and you had to actually read literal books to kind of understand why they were doing and implementing the rules they were. For instance, they didn't like how there was only like one person grading for a black belt at a time. They're like, we feel like everyone should be more ready. What's going on? So they invented this thing called practicums, which are basically six months of intense training for those who qualify. In order to qualify, you have to write number one, an essay. Number two, you have to actually be physically fit for it. And number three, you have to have demonstrated over your course of being a brown belt, mainly brown belt, but they prefer your whole career of just like certain kind of mindsets and training and due diligence and all that fun stuff. But we were allowed to train at other dojos if we needed to, whether like our ground game sucked and they weren't doing ground game training for whatever reason. So it took me 14 years in that establishment to finally get my shodan and it was worth every second of it. Which is awesome. I think <clears throat> something that people misunderstand when I do what I do is I think that everyone has their own particular reasons and goals and thought processes as to why they do martial arts. I don't think everybody does it for the same reason. Right. Some people want to learn how to kick and punch and choke people, and that's awesome. And some people just want a mentor or they want a hobby or they want to lose weight. And none of those things are wrong. That's okay. I think the problem is, is that when we project our own bullshit onto other people as to what the standard should be of what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And you see that a lot in martial arts. There's a lot of ego in martial arts. Oh, my God, yes. So much. It's, it's funny you actually mentioned this. We have a friend of the show. His name is Jofi. He's an MMA fighter in the UK. And he started a page called Only Cans. Now, essentially, Only Cans is about MMA fighters who kind of throw their, their record away just so somebody else can kind of get a better record. And they get paid to essentially take a fall. Mm -hmm. So McDojo's in Only Cans. I think I didn't know it was that prevalent within both martial arts slash MMA communities. I didn't even know it was that big of a problem, to be honest. Well, I mean, I'm sure that there were people who were just trying to get a paycheck, you know, just like any other job. Yeah, I mean, and that's fair. And I mean, if, if that's your only goal in life is to just get a paycheck by like kind of getting knocked out by the first punch, I think there's better ways to do it. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe those paychecks are like $50,000 a fight. I mean, I'd take that. But that's, that's Well, I mean, Bob Sapp used to do that. Oh, my God. I, yeah, last half of his career. Yeah, he just like he would purposely take falls and dives like and when at the beginning of his career, you could tell he never really liked to fight. <laughs> yeah. Like you could just see it on his face during fights that it just wasn't his thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I guess if you're a massive dude and, you know, people kind of, I guess, put expectations on you, then maybe that was the career that he felt obligated to take. But, um, you know, I wish that that wasn't the case for him because it would have been cool to see what he could actually do with him plied himself. Yeah, if he had just a little more heart to it. I mean, maybe he started off that way and then he got punched in the face and just like, you know what? This isn't my isn't my shtick anymore. Probably. <laughs> Probably. I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't fight people for money anymore. <laughs> oh, you did, did you? Yeah, I actually uh, was on an international kickboxing team for two years called Team Full Circle. Okay. Um, we traveled all over, uh, did uh, local, national, international tournaments. And I competed for a very long time until I was about like 25, 26. And then I just kind of got burned out. That two years of doing nothing but traveling and competing, monitoring your weight. Yeah. Because I was in uh, NASCA, WACO, ISK, NBL. And whenever we fought, I fought on those particular circuits or in those organizations. Yeah. The hard part was because we were competing every weekend, I had to just maintain my weight for the entire year. 
So it wasn't like I could do these weight cuts and I could just like eat like shit. And then the next to make up for, you know, having such discipline with food, you know, most people get a payoff after the fight. I never really got that. And so I got tired of seeing the inside of hotels and planes and um, never being able to eat and do the things I wanted to do. So I kind of got burned out. Man, that's fair. And it's funny. That's kind of the life I'm trying to live as a comedian. Like I want to see the inside of hotels and I want to see planes. I mean, I don't know how long I can sustain that. I, I hear that it's a kind of a bit of a breaking point at some stage, but uh, if I can try to make that like you did, that's even two years seems like a good run for me. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it has its perks, but I guess the hard part was, you know, you also get older fighting people, you know, yeah, as a comedian, true. you know, I don't think yet, you, you know, I don't think you too many times have to worry about somebody jumping on stage trying to whoop your ass, but <laughs> you know, it's a possibility. I'll just call you if it happens. <laughs> like, I'd be the wrong guy because I would not show up. <laughs> That's I'd be fair. like, good luck, brother. <laughs> all you. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pro.sports.podcasters for the most current sports news. Now back to the show. What style of martial arts did you train? Uh, the resume question. So I, like, I'll just go through it. So I've been training for 24 years. I started when I was 12. I'm a third degree black belt in karate, a third degree black belt in something called Lissa Do, which is a weapon system nobody's really heard of. It basically just means I can do nunchucks, which is about as useless as most any other skill, I guess. Uh, I'm a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, a six and zero amateur boxer, four and two amateur kickboxer. Uh, we talked about I was on that international kickboxing team for two years. Yep. So I didn't really count tournament fighting. And I've been doing martial arts business consulting now for about a decade in McDojo life now for a little over nine years. Wow. Damn, that, that's an impressive resume right there. So what does somebody of your caliber do on their downtime when they're not training? Well, I don't know about my caliber. I'm just some dude that runs a page online, but I pretty much work like 15 hours a day every day. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that's, that is what I do. That's, that's your, uh, that's your downtime kind of deal. <laughs> that's all I do, man. This is a, a full-time job 24 seven. And what's weird is the internet never stops. Of course. So when you have like a nine to five job, you have the luxury of clocking out. Yeah. For me, I might have a day where it's a dead day. There's nothing much going on. Mm-hmm. Or I might have a day where all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, like a couple months ago, I find out a child has been uh, tossed on his head so many times that he was put in a coma. And I eventually in the coma passed away. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like stuff like that, like that's a news story that hits in Japan. Well, that's not necessarily on our time zone. So it might be like one o'clock midnight here and all of a sudden a story breaks. I have to cover that as soon as I hear it. So, and then my workday starts at that point. Yeah. So it's not like a, you know, I get to clock in, clock out kind of thing. Or, you know, I always said that I do anybody's show that ever asked. Yeah. And so if I get asked to do a show from somebody who's in London <laughs> and their time is different than what I might have available, I make myself available so that way I can do their show. And so it, the internet never stops. It's 24 hours a day. And that's hustle that we love on this show, man. We, lo- I, we like doing early morning stuff too because our day starts kind of pretty early at like well again like you said the internet never sleeps so there's times we're posting articles because something broke at like two in the morning over with like for example the iahf with international hockey right now mm. that that broke more in the afternoon but they had it was up in the air since about five in the morning whenever the nhl commissioners and hockey commissioners and federations kind of start their talking so mm. i was covering that all yesterday and that was that was a poop show in itself but Regardless, I respect the hustle of going on whenever you can and kind of making time for the guests. So thank you so much. No, man, I just appreciate the fact that people even give a shit that I exist. So when it comes <laughs> down to it, you know, I'm not that important. I'm just some dude that calls out frauds. 
So if I'm important enough for someone to want to talk to me, then I'll take the time. Well, I mean, to be honest, you're kind of the whole package when, when it comes to this. Like you're, you're hilarious. You talk about sports. You have a sports background and you don't put up with BS. So it's kind of what we enjoy. Like we'll call out people too, to a degree, not because I'm the extreme that you are, but we'll, we'll shit talk people who are obviously like, you know, cans or, or McDojos or I think Kobe has actually talked about McDojos before. Like you train for two years and get your black belt kind of deal. Yeah, and that's a weird thing too, right? That's a that's an odd standard. That's why like the belt length of time isn't like on our list, like on the list of uh, what I consider a McDojo is because it's subjective sometimes, especially yeah. when it comes to skill. Like um, what do you compare skill to? And most people would – and when it comes down to fanning, when like you're a fan of something, yeah. you always compare skill to the best. Like if you're a boxer, you know, you have like your, your Rocky Marcianos and your Joe Lewis and you have your Muhammad Ali and you, you think about those guys as the standard, right? Yeah. But then does that mean the other guys who were like, you know, 50 and five weren't good boxers? <laughs> you know, yeah. no. But then if we compared them to ourselves, they would be the fuck out of us. <laughs> so it's like, what's the standard of good when it comes to martial arts? And that's so subjective that the belt system in itself which is convoluted depending on the martial art that you go to. It's really just kind of up to the individual as to what they consider legitimate or not. And I think that that boils down to the individual's goals. And so like when I see people who are like, yeah, you got your black belt in two years, I go, yeah, but like BJ Penn got his black belt in three. And they go, well, that's different. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> like either there's a standard or there's not. If there's no standard, then it's a guideline and a guideline's not a rule. And so when people are like complaining about people who get their black belts in like two years, then you can't defend BJ Penn for getting his in three. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know PJ Penn got his black belt in three. What what was it? Karate? Was it what was it? Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu. Brazilian or? Yes. Wow. Well, even still, like he could have been living at the dojo for a long time. You know what I mean? Like if he's putting in like nineteen hour days, then well, uh, yeah, but still, then that means it's a guideline, right? Exactly. So are we basing it off a of time or are we basing it off a of skill? And so in that and in that case, how do you base something like a jiu-jitsu? Um, with a Taekwondo because they're not the same skill set. And so does that mean that the person who busts his ass in Taekwondo doing maybe even more time or more effort or more work in the gym for Taekwondo, does that mean that they did not deserve their Taekwondo black belt because they got it so quickly when the standard would be most people think that it should take, you know, like almost a decade really to get your black belt. Anywhere between seven to 10 years is a usually a good standard for most arts to really sink in. But when it comes down to it, like that's the thing about martial arts is like what's good for the goose is not good for the gander because people are egotistical. <laughs> they go, well, I do jujitsu and that would never happen. Like, bitch, yes, it does. <laughs> like, People get their black belt like early as fuck all the time. They're like, I can think of like at least a dozen right off the top of my head that have gotten their black belt that way. And it was like three and a half, four years. So um, to say that, you know, this art over here just isn't a worthy art. Well, that's subjective. Right. Maybe the person just wants to lose weight <laughs> and they did that in that amount of time. Well, they met their goal. So congratulations. <laughs> like question mark. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always, it's always interesting. Everybody in the martial arts industry thinks the gold standard of what a martial artist is, is can you kick someone's ass? Right. And that's the stupidest fucking marker ever because there is always someone that can kick your ass. There's always someone better than you. There's exactly. always somebody who's going to be able to beat you up. There's always someone more skilled than you. And so. It's always funny to see like online where people like talk shit about people just simply because of the art that they do. Right. What if they met their goals? Like what if that was what they wanted out of this? Then good for them. Like 
Maybe you're just a hating son of a bitch that just doesn't like the fact that this person did something they liked. Exactly. I find the internet's kind of weird like that. Everyone kind of has an opinion on something and just wants to poop all over you for even mm. the simplest things. Like, good morning, microaggression. <laughs> how dare you? What, how the fuck do you know what kind of day it is? <laughs> exactly. So my bad, my bad. So you had mentioned that some people like to comment on your page. Do you have somebody who comments often? Like you kind of know them by username now? And then do you also have somebody who DMs you often? Well, I answer every DM. So I get uh, – the last time I counted, which was like a year ago, which I'll never fucking count that again, I get roughly about 250 new messages from people I've never talked to a day. Wow. And so I take the time to answer all of them even though it's a fucking nightmare. Um, but again, like I said, I, I don't think I'm that important. <laughs> so like if somebody's taking the time to reach out to me, like I'm going to reach out back to them. I'm not going to leave them on red. But you know, you see, you see a lot of the same people over and over and over again. Like there's, there's just three different types of people that follow you online. They're the people who support you, the people who are haters, and then the people who are uh, just followers. Most people are followers. They don't interact. They're not going to like your stuff. They're not going to share your stuff. They're not going to comment. You know, then you have like a nice little chunk of people at like five, ten percent that are actually supporters. They're the ones that you see in the comment sections, the ones that support you, the ones that share your stuff. You know, and then you have the haters, the people who don't say anything until it's negative or until you fuck up. And then yep. once you fuck up, they'll let you know all about yourself. <laughs> but they weren't they weren't gonna say shit before. They're not gonna support you, but they just cannot wait for you to fail. It's almost like their therapy, you know, and which is good for them. I'm glad that they can Go online, get that venom out of their system so they don't shoot up a school or some shit. Oh, my. <laughs> some Columbine stuff over here. <laughs> Dude, people are fucked up. Like, yep. if you ever really look at people and how they interact with people online, that's not a reality for them. It's no. like a porn for commenting. It's their fantasy of how they want the world to view them. Right. And it's, it's actually really sad, to, to be honest. I've seen so many people who... I've actually met a couple in person oh. who would never say the shit they say to my face that they say online. Like a story, I went to something called the Martial Arts Super Show. Okay. And the Martial Arts Super Show was like our industry thing where people can go take seminars, learn about business and shit like that. And uh, I had a guy who was talking shit to me online for like years. <laughs> and then he like randomly ran into me at the Super Show. And he was literally shaking. It was so strange because to him, he was like worried that I'd be so mad. I was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, that's his insecurities. <laughs> but like, it was so strange to meet this guy because I think when you see me online, I look like a skinny little nerdy dude, but I'm like 6'1", 200 pounds. And all I do is train all day. Yeah. I'm not a little dude. And so I guess he, he felt like when he had that anonymity of being online that he could just say whatever he wanted to say and that that would never roll back into karma. Right. And uh, man, when he met me, he was like a half a foot shorter than me. <laughs> he was really out of shape, like I, like really out of shape. And he just like stuttered and stammered the entire time we talked. It wasn't like a gotcha moment. I was genuinely just having a conversation with the guy. Yeah. And uh, he was just terrified. And I was like, you know, you would never feel this way if you just didn't act like a dick. <laughs> you know? So when you saw him, did you did you know it was him off his like profile picture? Did he tell you like, hey, I'm the one who heckles you? Like, how how'd you know? We actually were talking in a group. So like, you know, the super show is a lot of networking. You go and you talk to different people and, you know, you learn a lot about business and shit like that. And he happened to be standing with like a group of people. And then while we were talking... He looked familiar in a way, but like I couldn't put my finger on it. So I would have never known. Yeah. But then in the conversation, he like kind of laughed his way into explaining who he was. 
uh, awkward, like, haha, this is who I am kind of thing. I guess he assumed I knew who he was, which I didn't. And then after he explained it, I was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> I guess, I, I, congratulations. I don't know what to do for you, man. Like, my day isn't surrounded by that bullshit. So <laughs> there you go. So you beat him on two levels. Like, one, you didn't really know who he was, and two, you don't really care. And he's like, oh. It's not that it was like, why, why, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not vindictive like that. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't give a fuck how his day goes. I hope it goes good, <laughs> but I'm not going to sit there and try to trash the man because he was a dick online. Uh, you are better than most people I know, sir. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but and at least in that moment, I in guess. In that moment, yeah. There's a few people who do that tit for tat thing where it's like, screw me once and I'll screw you kind of deal. It's like, okay. Oh, fuck him. Life's too short for that shit, man. I think that, you know, that's cancerous. That shit sits in your, in your system. Yeah. You wind up like stewing on what people say about you like people are going to talk shit about you no matter if you do the right thing or the wrong thing there there could be a dude literally right now who could cure cancer and there'd be some like hundreds of thousands of people going well why didn't he cure it sooner <laughs> it's, it's like what what <laughs> like, why why is that a thing why are you so upset like thank you for this gift that you have given us <laughs> i don't like yeah some people just like they really they really have that venom in their system and the internet has allowed them to do that. I always thought it'd be fun to make a show, which I might actually try to do this next year, yep. where you find people who are heckling people online yep. and uh, you find the people that they have heckled, like, uh, you know, professional boxers, professional fighters, football players, you know, athletes of any kind. And then what you do is you find out where that heckler is and then you take that athlete and you bring them to their place of business or wherever they happen to be at the time. And you just have them talk to each other <laughs> like face to face and it, not in like a vindictive way, but like, let's get to know each other kind of way. Yeah, but right. I think that that initial like shock that the person that they were just poking at online shows up and sees them face to face would be pure television gold. Oh, my God. Yes, I would be so down to watch that show. I think they had a show similar actually with like guys who were dating multiple girls at one time or girls dating multiple guys at one time, like some online, I don't know. My ex was watching it and I was like, what is, what is this? <laughs> All right, sir. So before we wrap this up, we have a few kind of standard questions to ask. Uh, number one, have you had a poutine before? I have had poutine before. I do like poutine. What is your favorite type? Uh, well, I mean, I didn't know there were different types. I'm pretty sure it was just French fries and gravy. <laughs> so. Sir, that's that, that's that's a rookie mistake right there, sir. You get you get a white belt in poutine. Oh man, apparently I am. Yeah, but poutine is delicious. I, I agree. Where, where are you from? If I don't mind asking, Florida. Florida. Okay, so actually, Florida has some of the best poutine I've ever tried. Weirdly enough, I don't know how you guys got really good at that, but um, there's there's many different types over here in Canada. We have like pulled pork poutine. We have buttered chicken, which is kind of whatever. They have different types of cheeses, like four cheese poutine. It's really an art form up here. If you ever come up to Canada, specifically Montreal, you got to try it. <laughs> I haven't been there. I, I went to the Quebec Open years ago, but that was about it. Oh, okay. Well, if you ever come venturing this way, uh, the frozen tundra that is Canada. Uh, second question, how can our fans find you on your various social medias? Pretty simple, man. Just go check us out on McDojo Life, uh, M-C-D-O-J-O Life on pretty much any social media platform. Yep. Currently, the big push that we're trying to make is our YouTube channel. Yep. You know, we post these these individual like 30-second clips on our Instagram, but we actually do deep dive exposés on who these people are on our YouTube channel. So, Oh, okay. Like uh, kind of 30 for 30 kind of deal. Yeah, like really digging into who these people are, what their cult is, how many followers they have, actually even to where they train, 
people ask this all the time, like, how can I go train at a class like this? It's like, well, if you really cared, you would click the two buttons it takes to actually watch the video, <laughs> and then you would listen to the video, and then you would actually show up to that class. But uh, it's always amazing how people online, like, kind of dictate how you should do what you do. <laughs> yep. But people will be like, how come you don't name and shame these people? Like, well, for one, depending on the social media platform, that could be something that could get me kicked off. But two, it, if you're that lazy that you can't click a button, you would never show up to their gym. <laughs> like, let's just be honest. Oh, 100%. And last but not least, how does it feel that The Rock follows you on Instagram? <laughs> uh, that's pretty fucking cool. And it's just as cool as you guys following me, to be honest. I mean, it's really cool to have somebody of that caliber following you. But when it comes down to it, I mean, just being recognized by anyone that you do something that they enjoy is cool. So, Well, uh, sir, you are an amazing, amazing content provider. I just followed you on both your Twitter and your uh, on your Instagram. Sir, it was a pleasure having you on. We'd love to have you back sometime. And keep doing what you do. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account, where you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter.